The world is a great place with good people doing awesome things. Welcome to 15 Minutes of. I'm Dan Tebow. My guest today is Anthony Wynn, and he goes by Wynn, by the way, a guy with a huge personality and passion for the natural world. Wynn was born and grew up in Elkins, West Virginia, where he gained an appreciation for the outdoors, specifically on creeks and rivers by way of hunting, fishing, and spending time outdoors. He obtained a bachelor's from West Virginia University in wildlife and fisheries resources, and also worked there as a fisheries technician and applied his education on the very same rivers that he learned to fish on growing up. He worked as a federal government contractor in Oregon and Washington, surveying people about how they were using the national forests. He landed a job as an in-stream flow technician with the Wyoming Game and Fish, where he helped secure water rights for at-risk or protected species of fish. He also worked with the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, managing waterways for public use, making sure the fish populations were healthy. Finally, he secured a position with a large energy company in the Southeast, working as an environmental scientist out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He specializes in fish population assessments and identifying aquatic, bethnic, macroinvertebrates as it relates to Clean Water Act regulations. <laughs> okay, I pulled out my secret decoder ring for that one. His occupation is as interesting, important, and uncommon as it gets. Anthony Wynn, or Wynn, welcome to 15 Minutes Of. Thanks for having me, Dan. Hey, listen, I want my audience to get to know you a little bit better, so I, I tend to ask my guests three questions, questions that you wouldn't normally be asked in real life, they're a little quirky. They're a little fun. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Which body part do you wish you could detach and why? I think I would probably have to go with my eyes. <laughs> it's kind of a weird one, um, but I'm working in the water a lot. And I also go see a lot of live music. And I think it would be a unique experience to be able to put one of your eyes out, maybe, maybe underwater or maybe closer at a concert if you're at a really big, large venue. So Yeah, yeah. interesting. It could be more than one place at the same time. Yep, exactly. If you were transported 400 years into the past with no clothes or anything else from this time period, how would you prove that you were from the future? So I would probably try to think of some big historical event event that ha either recently happened or or uh, was about to happen and try to describe that as best I could to a T. I imagine 400 years ago, maybe if I was in, in Europe or something like that, uh, maybe predict some of the, the people traveling to, to America, something, something of that nature, I guess. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, don't do it in New England because you'll be burned as a witch probably. Yeah, instead. exactly. <laughs> that, and that, that went through my head too. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the future then. In 40 years, what will people be nostalgic for? Handheld phones, I think. I, I imagine the direction we'll be headed in is probably something much smaller or, or more integrated with the actual human body. Um, just a guess, but... I could definitely see eventually a generation younger than myself mm. being nostalgic for the actual actual handheld phones. Interesting, yeah. So when tell me about 
being a boy in Elkins, um, do, do you have a big family? Did someone close to you influence you toward hunting and fishing and being outdoors? Growing up, for the most part, it was just my dad, my brother, and I. And my dad was probably the biggest influence uh, as far as hunting and fishing goes. Elkins is a large town for West Virginia, but relatively small if, if you're looking at just like the East Coast in general. has about 30,000 people. Uh, one maybe two high schools in the in the county mm-hmm. and it's it's relatively spread out it, the the whole county it's the largest one in west virginia so uh not very many people for yeah. a lot of land uh, which made it perfect for what i was i was doing at that age and hunting and fishing and it, all things outdoors really yeah can you share one memory that you have that stands out something you saw or something that happened back then there are an abundance of them, but one, one that always sticks out to me, uh, especially for what I ended up doing in life. Um, I was lucky enough to go along with a, a, a bear biologist when I was in seventh grade and we went out to a den during the winter time. They had uh, sedated the mother bear and there were cubs there and then they took all types of weight measurements, length measurements of the cubs and, and, and then I uh, tagged and collared the the uh, wow. mom bear. From that point on, and really prior to that, I knew I wanted to work in the conservation field of, of some sort. Ah, uh, no kidding. That must have been a great experience. Seventh grade. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I was I was fortunate to have some connections that allowed me to do that. Hmm. Living in a small town, everyone kind of knows everyone, so you can you can find out how to do something like that pretty easily. You kind of always were drawn to this, but who influenced you the most? Did you have any mentors? In my childhood, I would definitely say it was my dad. Um, he gave me a, a love for the outdoors. A little bit later on in life, though, uh, with my second job in my field, I would say it was one of my supervisors in Wyoming. His name was Tom Manier. Um, I was an in-stream flow technician there, and he was kind of the guy that helped start that field. We were covering the entire state of Wyoming, so there were times where we would have seven to eight-hour car trips, and he always listened to nothing on the radio. <laughs> just had the radio off the whole time. He got to give me <laughs> more advice really, uh, during those, those road trips than I would have ever thought, and that has tremendously helped me in my career. Talking about road trips, you have crisscrossed many parts of our country and have been to many isolated places that many of us have only seen in television and movies. What do you say to people who have never been to these places? Try to go. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I really believe that the travel is extremely important in someone's life. Being exposed to things uh, just just in America alone can really open your eyes to just how different everything throughout the country is, not only the landscapes, but the people too. I've been very fortunate to travel where I have and being able to meet people from all walks of life in the largest cities we have to some of the smallest towns we have. It's very unique to see and it uh, really gives you not only a sense of how large this country is, but then also a sense of, uh, I guess, empathy for everyone Mm -hmm. because we are living so differently throughout the country. Uh, It's an eye opener. Yeah, that's interesting. We only, we think, you know, where we live and how we live is, is, is the norm, but that's yeah, not true. It, it's very easy to, to stay in your bubble 
But if you can break out of that, I think that's, that's a very healthy thing to do. Absolutely. So what does a, you know, a typical work day look like for you? I mean, I picture you wearing snake boots and tramping through marshlands or hiking through heavy brush. What's it like? So, so you're not far off there. Um, not so much marshlands, but uh, I, I work a lot on, on rivers and lakes. There's only maybe one or two natural lakes in North Carolina. So our, all of these are actually impoundments or reservoirs uh, used for energy production. I have no typical days. Almost every day is different. A lot of the times in the spring and fall, we'll be working on our electrofishing. So that's where we'll put electricity in the water to stun fish. It doesn't actually hurt them at all. It stuns them for a minute. Uh, we'll net them up, measure and weigh them. And I've done it in Colorado where we have to break through the ice in some of the rivers. And I've done it in North Carolina on a 100 degree day. So kind of out in all of the elements when, when we're out. As far as my, my bug collections go, that's a little bit more laid back than the electrofishing. I, I really just take a net and a little uh, white pan with a pair of forceps out. Mm. And I'll, I'll look under rocks in, in different habitat types and rivers, pools, uh, sand and, and gravel and boulders and every different habitat type that, that exists in a river. Because different species of bugs will use different habitat types. And, and based on the bugs that we're finding uh, in that river it can tell us how healthy a river is. They're kind of the canary in the coal mine as far as uh, fresh water goes. Oh, that's interesting. So you're, you're harvesting data, really. Yeah, exactly. So, so very large data sets that have been collected over time. And, and in North Carolina, for, for bugs, there's actually a, a score assigned to each individual species of insect. The score, the lower score, the more pollution intolerant the individual is the individual species is mayflies are, are the example i use a lot people really know what mayflies are for the most part and they're they're a pretty good bug to have around but if you have one with a score of zero then you know that river is probably doing okay what's the purpose of gathering that data and uh, how is it used it can be used for management decisions in colorado some of the data we gathered was used for deciding how many fish to stock in a river or lake or, or reservoir. And then it's also just used to see if a population, let's say, of, of fish are healthy. In my specific case now, uh, we look at what's called Section 316A of the Clean Water Act, and that has to do with thermal pollution. And so we can use that fisheries data to see if that thermal pollution is having a negative impact on a waterway. So this is science, and but you're in this, what I assume, you're mostly in these beautiful settings, and you're out in nature, and it's probably in many ways breathtaking. How do you, you know, feel about the science and the, I guess, the art of what you do? So it is, it is definitely that, uh, a science and an art, because there is, at times, some subjectivity to, to what we do. And I always say my job is where blue collar meets white collar mm. uh, because I, a lot of the time and during the winter, I am sitting behind a desk writing reports, working that, that normal nine to five that people expect out of a job. Sure. But then a lot of the other time I am in these beautiful, breath, breathtaking places. Sometimes you're in the absolute middle of nowhere and don't have any cell phone signal or anything like that. So it requires some creativity, planning and critical thinking to be able to be all right in those situations. I've had times where we've had uh, grizzly bears in the area in Wyoming, 
Wow. Um, ran into black bears in West Virginia and seen the same here in North Carolina. When you're working out in the middle of nowhere, you kind of have to be ready for anything yeah. and everything. Are you armed? Uh, no, I, I was armed with bear spray in, in Wyoming, um, <laughs> which is actually statistically more effective than uh, carrying a gun with you. Interesting. Um, yeah. But we, we weren't allowed to carry a gun uh, there, and I'm, I'm not allowed with my current job either. So. And I'm assuming you'd rather be out there than behind a desk. Yes, for sure. That's exactly why I went into this field. <laughs> I enjoy some of the data analysis because the travel can wear on you after after a while if you do it all okay. summer long, which I, I have done that sure. many, many years. It, it is nice to get out as much as possible. When if a young person asked you to mentor them, what would be the most important thing you would teach them? Pay attention to what people with experience are saying. I've seen it. And I also thought it when I was younger that at a certain age, 18, 19, 20, you might think you already know everything you need to know, but you can learn quite a lot from people that have been doing certain things for a longer amount of time than you have. And it can, it could really help shape your future. If you listen carefully, listen more and talk less. That's, that's okay. one, one I like to live by. <laughs> turn off the radio, get in the car, drive for hours and turn off the radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You and your wife, Caitlin, are homesteaders. Uh, you grow a lot of your own food. How does this tie into the work you do as an environmental scientist? In, in my job, I, I'm looking at the ecosystem, the, the structures and functions of the environment. And with gardening and, and homesteading, that's really the same thing. Yeah. A lot of conventional wisdom with, with farming is uh, you make the land the way you want it. Well, the land has already done a pretty good job without us of growing things. So if we can listen to that, the land and, and what it's doing, uh, we can use that in order to feed our families. Nature's already perfected a lot of these things. We, we don't need to improve upon it for the most part. Uh, if we use all these natural, natural functions, uh, we can grow food for ourselves pretty, pretty easily, actually. Yeah. And, uh, you know, through social media, I found your YouTube channel. I started watching some of your videos and it's all about what you're doing there as homesteaders. And it's, you know, it's kind of educative and fun. So why, you know, why did you start the YouTube channel? We wanted to really try to educate beginning gardeners. Caitlin and I both believe that literally anyone can grow some of their own food. Even if you're living in, a, in an apartment in New York or, or out in the middle of nowhere in Kansas, we're fortunate to have a, a little bit of space where we grow all of our food, but uh, I think I really think anyone can do it. I also love to see people becoming more more self reliant. I think even during the crazy times that we're living in now, it's apparent that if things were to go awry, you could be ready for for something. You could grow your own food, and uh, I, I think that also brings a, a sense of community to areas too. When when you're able to share in something like that. You are out in nature often. What environmental impacts do you see that regular folks like me wouldn't notice? What has your profession allowed you to witness? Looking at kind of some of our long-term data sets, um, and this is everywhere across the board, you can see that things sadly are, are warming up. We're seeing, uh, I do some work out in, in estuaries, and you'll see more southern species of fish kind of pushing more north and then we're also seeing certain species of bugs and amphibians and, and 
and certain fish uh, really start to be threatened by that warming, which is it's just a rough thing to see. Looking at the world through this lens, your lens, what are your hopes for the future? I do hope that we can come together not only as a, a country and a planet, because that's what it's going to take uh, to really improve upon what we've done to the environment. It's <laughs> baffling to me sometimes to see that people don't want to make these improvements, because uh, even if climate change didn't exist, then what will we be doing? Well, we would just be improving our natural environment. That's only going to make us as a, as a species healthier, you know? So you are a scientist. Uh, you grow your own food at your home. And you have a YouTube channel. I didn't plan on asking you this question, but I saw recently coming through the feed that you're very interested in mushrooms. Tell me a little bit more about mushrooms. Why are you so interested in them? So I, I find mushrooms absolutely fascinating. To start, they are uh, some of the oldest living organisms on the planet. And to kind of tie it back into the gardening, there are loads of different fungi throughout our soils that help every plant basically on earth. That's how plants can share nutrients and that's how fungi can break down the nutrients in the soil, which I just find absolutely fascinating that basically all of that stuff is interconnected by what will eventually be mushrooms or there are just different types of fungus that only live underground. And you can grow gourmet mushrooms right, right in your backyard or even in your kitchen out of a bag. My wife, Caitlin, is a, is a baker, so we do some, some fermentation and, and sourdough starting and whatnot. And growing mushrooms have the same principles as that. And your YouTube channel is Wind Family Garden. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. I'm going to put these links in the show notes so that people can connect with you. But you're also going to be launching a website and you'll be selling seeds and joining TikTok. Tell me a little bit about that. That sounds fascinating. We, we have saved up a lot of seeds over the past couple of years, gathering them from just our, our front yard. We'll be focusing a lot on, on native plantings. We really want to help out pollinators. Uh, bees throughout the country are on the decline. So I think that's something that's extremely important. And that's something we wanted to be able to share with everyone else. So, yeah, we're going to be selling some seeds and then just sharing our knowledge, too. Uh, I don't necessarily want to sell my knowledge to other people as much as I would just like to, to share uh, my knowledge free and that what the website will be a way to do that. That way people can learn to do what we're doing. That's awesome. And what about TikTok? Oh, so TikTok, um, we'll be making videos similar to our YouTube videos, but since they're only 60 seconds long, we'll do little snippets of how-tos or just general Pictures and videos of, of things going on around the yard uh, because we, we really get to see a lot of cool things because we have such a natural environment right outside of our front door. Well, Wynn, thank you so much for being on 15 Minutes Of. It was really great to hear your story. I wish you well. I'm glad there are people like you that do what you do and are out there with your eyes in your head, by the way, and you are seeing things and you're making a big difference for all of us. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. I thoroughly enjoyed this. We live in a complex world, and our role as stewards of the planet we inhabit is being re-examined and transformed. People like Wynn are champions of this postmodern view, not only from the critical data his work provides, but by his understanding 
of our interconnectedness with the world and his passion for believing that this is fundamental to a healthy and sustainable future. From a rugged youth in the wild tagging bear cubs to a knowledgeable scientist and homesteader practicing a gentle self-reliance, his pragmatic approach and simple wisdoms cut through the social and political debates and help us arrive at one very simple axiom. Our planet is our home, and we must take care of it. I like to think that driving in silence across Wyoming honed his perspective because he was forced to create his own soundtrack, a sort of mental cadence inspired only by landscape and human dialogue, and that perhaps it allowed him to connect more deeply with where and who he was. He teaches us that the diversity of those landscapes are just as beautiful as the different types of people that inhabit them, and compels us to break out of our bubble and start to re-examine our relationships with each other and the world. It's an awesome responsibility that Wynne wholeheartedly embraces through his thoughts, experiences, and actions. I am both amazed by and grateful for Wynne and his generation for taking a stance and proving that the earth already gives us everything we need. I'm Dan Tebow, and this is 15 Minutes Of. 15 Minutes Of is produced by Fast Twitch Media. If you have comments on this episode or can suggest a guest I should interview, connect with me, Dan, at fasttwitchmedia.space. The world is a great place with good people doing awesome things.